Pastor Marvin a big God bless, man. We love you, Marvin. got me turned on all right I'm sorry I'm wore out but anyway I've been in a revival all this week and I love to preach and anybody who knows me knows I love to talk so when I wasn't preaching I was hanging out with them other Baptists talking and I've been talking all week and preaching all week and this morning I said Lord I don't feel like talking please help me to make me to feel like preaching amen but anyway tonight I think I got one more in me I've been praying and I, the Bethanites are going to laugh but I think it may be a short sermon tonight and usually when I tell them that they said uh oh we in trouble because it don't always end up that way but tonight I am thankful that I am going to get to share the word of God with you and it's something that's dear to me because this sermon is kind of personal to me it comes out of the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 if you want to be turning there with me and I don't know about y'all but I'm glad that when God saved me he didn't leave me where he found me. And I'm glad to know that it took grace to save me. I couldn't save myself. And that God was willing to provide everything that was needed for grace. To be able to bring me to the place where he could save me. But you know something that I figured out throughout since I got saved? That the same grace that it took to save me is the only way that I'll ever be changed. It's the only thing that can make me into what God saved me to become. And I don't know about y'all, but the Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly in this present age. The grace of God doesn't leave us. I'm glad tonight that wherever we are, you can come just as you are, amen, to the grace of God. And this is a verse that we're very familiar with. It's in verse Eight of chapter 2 and it says for by the grace of God you've been saved anyone who's been saved when you just read that one verse don't it bring joy to your heart you can probably remember when grace opened your eyes when grace changed your heart when grace made you think different and believe different and because you believe different you behave different but listen to this it says for by grace you have been saved through faith simply by believing trusting what God was offering us through grace that Jesus died for sinners. That he was buried. He rose again. And now he lives to help the saved people. And he's here tonight in spirit. He's on the throne interceding on our behalf. Making grace available. And isn't it wonderful tonight to know that we can come to the throne of grace. And receive help in our hour of need. That no matter where we are. God's grace is available and it is able to make us and help us to become what God desires for us to be. If you look at that, it says very simple that it's not of yourselves, it's not, a, it's not of works, it's a gift of God. No one has anything to boast according to that verse. But that's not the verse I want to talk about tonight. If you look at the next verse, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now it's very clear and it's easy to see that we're not saved by works. And we're not working to be saved, but if we are saved, 
we are to be working from salvation. We were saved to do good works that God created beforehand that we should walk in them. God already has a plan. He already has a purpose. He's already got every figured out that he wants us to be. That word workmanship in somebody's translation may say handiwork. It literally means in the original language, it's speaking as an artist, a sculptor of something that is creating a piece of art, a masterpiece. And what it's saying is, we are God's workmanship. We are the result of his handiwork. What we are is a masterpiece in the making. When God looks at us, he doesn't see what we're not. He sees what only he can see we can be. When God looked at Skeeter and he found Skeeter and old Dennis, he used Dennis to go over there and find him in his condition. He didn't see Skeeter the way he was that day when Dennis came. And everybody who's heard Skeeter's testimony, he's seen what Skeeter was just now when he stood up here and sang glory and brought honor to the name of Jesus. When he looked at my life, he didn't see what everyone else seen. He didn't even see what I seen. He's seen what only the master's hand, the, the great sculptor, the great master, that what he could do through his handiwork. And I want you to think about this. What is God trying to do? What does the life that's been affected and influenced and molded by this great God in heaven that has experienced the creative workmanship of this master God who looks at each person with a plan. Let me tell you what it says. God is so often awesome. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God already prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And before he ever saved us, he knew what he was going to do with us. He knew when he saved me, he was going to call me to be a preacher. He knew he was going to send me to wherever he sent me. All I had to do is listen. All I had to do is allow him to do what he wanted to do and respond to what he initiated. He's got a plan for every life here. And he may not be wanting to make us all a preacher. He may not be wanting to make us all a singer like Skeeter. But I'm going to tell you what. He is wanting to do one thing in every one of our lives. And this is the ultimate thing that God wants to do. He wants to conform us to the image of His Son. And this is what the Bible says. That God works all things together for good. And man, that's the workmanship of God. He's using everything in your life. The good, the bad, the things you like, the things you don't like, the things you wish wasn't there. He's using the worst thing that you hate about yourself for good. And he's going to use it for what? To accomplish his purpose. For those of us who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now we've all heard that verse. We love it when we get in a jam. When things are tough. Oh, all things are going to work together for good. Because I love Jesus. Because I'm submitted to the call that he has on my life. But listen to the next verse. What is that purpose? For whom he foreknew. Who God already knew beforehand because he's sovereign. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's not anything he ever has caught him by surprise. Every single person that he foreknew would come to Christ through his grace and be saved. He also predestined. What did he predestine? Everybody that he foreknew that would be saved by his grace. He predestined that we would be conformed to the image of his son. God is at work. You know the greatest thing he'll ever do to you. You know the greatest masterpiece that everyone would ever look at us and see. It's not that I can stand up here and entertain spiritually or preach the word of God. It's not that Skeeter has a great voice and can sing. But it's that people will look at me or look at him or look at you and say, He 
is Christ-like. Christ-likeness, sanctification. God has taken him from where he was and now he looks like Jesus. Because listen what that verse says. For whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be Jesus. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Guess what? The Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. We're all the brothers and sisters of Jesus. That verse is saying. And I don't know about you. But brothers and sisters, we ought to have a family resemblance. Amen. If God saved us and we're allowing God to do what he wants to do with us. He's the potter, we're the clay. His hands are upon us. We've given him permission. And we said, Lord, make me. Have your will in my life. Do whatever you want to do with me, Lord. I'm surrendered to you as best I can. If you're surrendered and you're submitted. And God is faithful. He's going to mold us. He's going to work us just like the clay. And listen to this. It's kind of like this. You cannot be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ without God's help. No matter how much you try, no matter how religious you get, no matter how committed to church and Bible study, ultimately we're dependent on God's grace that saved us to help us to be transformed and to conform us into Christ. Only He can bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Only He can create godliness and character and righteousness and help us to be partakers of that divine nature. Like Peter said, we all have access through, through the promises of God. To be partakers of the divine nature. But listen to this. It's kind of like this. God's divine enablement is right up here. And it's looking down upon us. And God's willing to enable you with his divine grace. To make you and mold you into what his workmanship wants you to be. Amen. And he does it through Jesus. As you walk with Jesus. As you trust Jesus. As you sang that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. As you walk with Jesus and allow Jesus to lead you. The God of heaven is pouring grace into your life. And he's enabling you to have scriptural understanding. He's taking the word of God and giving you knowledge and wisdom. And he's speaking through the Holy Spirit and the word of God. To give us direction, guidance, but also sometimes correction. But many times what he's doing is giving us faith. Because most of what God's going to do in our life is dependent on us to believe he can do it. Until you believe that God can change you. Until you believe that God has grace that is available that can help you to overcome. To be that person that you deep down want to be because the Spirit has given you the the desire to be willing, but your flesh is weak. You'll never do it. But listen to this. God's divine enablement's up here. Christ-likeness is the goal. We're down under that, trying to get up to that Christ-likeness place in our walk with God. But listen to this. God will not do it without our ability. we got to be the human effort, man's human effort, connects with God's divine enablement. So as God helps us, tonight he will speak to someone. Tonight he'll encourage someone. Tonight he'll give you faith. But he'll also give you direction. He'll say, don't go there no more. Don't do that no more. If we'll listen to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to help us with the Word of God, Christ-likeness, which is a good, easy way to understand sanctification, can happen in our life. Now I want you to think about this. What does a life... That's been formed by the creative workmanship of, God, workmanship of God look like. If God has his way. Now we all know that we want to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to surrender. Have you ever sang that song in the invitation? I surrender all. You know what? 
You know how this happens? It doesn't happen by trying harder. It happens by surrendering to Christ. And friends, listen to this. I want to talk to us about four things that God has been showing me that I see happens in a believer's life when God begins to work all things together for good because we love him enough to allow him to and we are called and surrendered to his purpose which is to conform us to the image of Christ. What does a person look like that's conformed to the image of Christ? Well, I don't know about you, but when he found me, I was a little baby Christian. (laughs) I didn't know nothing. I didn't grow up in church. I want to tell you something. He starts where everybody starts. No matter if you're 30, 10, or 60, and anywhere in between. When you get saved, no matter how long you've been in church, you're a baby Christian. Spiritual life begins at that point. And when God saves you by His grace, grace goes to work into your life. And through our relationship with Christ, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God begins to do His work to divinely enable us. And as we realize what God promises He can do, is there anybody here that God will not help us if we say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to repent. Lord, teach me, show me. But I want you to think about this. When He finds us, We are not mature people. We're not grown up. A person who is allowing God's divine enablement and is responding with correct human effort and is experiencing Christ's likeness, the first thing you're going to find in that person's life, he's grown up into spiritual maturity. He's no longer a spiritual baby. And guys, today the church is filled with people who can't feed themselves. The church is filled with people who it's always about what we need, what we need, what we need. One of the signs of a person who's experiencing spiritual maturity is he's been spiritually enlightened. God has given him ability. When you're a little baby, you don't know a whole lot. You know what you know when you're a little baby? You need things. You're needy. But as God grows us, We grow up to where we're no longer selfish, childlike believers. He wants us to mature to the place that we become sacrificial, Christ-like believers. And you know what I find? The more mature, the more that God grows me, the more He begins to help us to become like Jesus. You're never more like Jesus than when you're sacrificial. And you're never less like Jesus than when you're selfish. A self-centered, all-about-me Christian is far from the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, Lord, when he was going to the cross, he experienced what we experienced. He said, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass, I don't want it. (laughs) And Lord, if you can let this cup pass, let it pass. That's what Jesus wanted. But he said, Father, but if it can't pass, not my will, but thy will be done. The more you're willing to sacrifice for others, the more you're like Christ. And as God grows us, He doesn't want us to stay young. I want you to look with me here. This is in chapter 4 of this book. I want you to see something. God has provided everything we need by His grace. If you look in chapter 4, look at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Do you see that verse? That's us is for those of us who's been saved. If you've been saved by His grace, that verse right there is talking through the Apostle Paul to each one of us who's been saved, who's experienced His life-changing grace. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he says that when He ascended back to heaven, He gave gifts to men. Every one of us has been given a spiritual enablement if we've been saved. You got at least one spiritual gift. 
It's given to you to use to serve the body of Christ. It's given to you to be more than someone who needs to be served, who needs to be given. It's given to you to be able to be a person to serve and to give back. Can I get an amen? And I don't know about y'all, but Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when you're in need, when you're a baby, when you're unable and you're spiritually immature to help yourself. But once God helps us, once he saves us, he raises us up to the point now we're able to help others. And friends, listen, what he says right here. It says in verse 13, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be growing up by His enlightening us, maturing us, because that's His goal, to mature us to the point we're at the stature of Christ. Look at what this verse says in verse 14. That we should know, I'm, I'm sorry, 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Now we know none of us can be a perfect man. What that's literally meaning is that what God is doing in our life is perfected to the place of completeness. Till we're mature. Guess what? When we grow up to full age, you can look at me. I'm not growing anymore. Not the right way anyway. Amen? I'm, I'm, I'm complete. I'm not supposed to get any bigger, but I'm, I'm having some problems there. <laughs> but, but I quit growing when I was about 18. How about y'all? And guess what? As a Christian, God wants us to grow to the point that we reach the level he's shooting for, which is Christ's likeness. Look at what it says in the back part of this verse. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to that perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying is, I want them to get to the point of completeness, perfecting to that point of completeness till they are experiencing the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're measuring up to. Look at what he says in verse 14. When that happens, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine or teaching. But look at what he says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up and all things into him, Jesus, who is the head. God wants us to grow up. You know what? The more Christ-like we come, the more his character is being able to be formed in us as God transforms us from where he found us and conforms us into the image of his son, the more we're maturing. Does that make sense to you? And that's what he's trying to do. You know what? It don't matter how good you can sing, Skeeter, if you ain't got Jesus. Amen? Don't matter how much you can stand up here and talk about the Word of God if your life doesn't follow up and exemplify godliness. And listen, the next thing that I see that He wants to do in our life, a person who is experiencing God's handiwork, not only has He grown up into spiritual maturity, not only has He only been enlightened to where He's no longer a selfish, childlike believer, but He's now a sacrificial, Christ-like believer. He also, because he's been enlightened, because he's grown up, he don't always do what he used to do. And so now, he lives a godly life of morality. Morality is something we don't like to talk about in the church anymore. But if you're not willing to allow God to transform you from where he finds us, in the immorality, in the lustful ungodliness of the world... And conform you into the image of Christ and produce morality in you, you're never going to experience spiritual empowerment. 
The person that's empowered by the Spirit walks by the Spirit. The Spirit leads him. You can't walk in the flesh and be filled with the power of the Spirit. He is spiritually empowered. Listen to this. He has understanding knowledge of right and wrong because he's been matured. When a little baby don't know right and wrong, you got to correct them all the time. Amen? But you shouldn't be having to tell a little baby that's been growed up to 30 years old what you had to tell him when he was 10 years old. Amen? And we need to grow to where we know. And guess what? God's grace teaches us what's right and wrong. But not only does he teach it, he teaches us how to live and practice the righteous lifestyle. Think about this. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And friends, you can't stay a Christian baby your whole life and experience all what God has for you. You'll never ever be conformed to the image of Christ if you don't grow. Tonight we're preaching. You know why? So you can be enlightened. And you're going to hear the things that you need to know. If you got immorality in your life, you don't need the preacher to tell you if the Holy Spirit's in you. Just read your Bible every day. He'll point it out. And as he feeds us, he trains us. Listen to this. He tells us what we need. You know what the Bible says? As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow. And one of the signs of immaturity is immorality. And there's a lot of people who try to be spiritual when they're not willing to deal with immorality. You know what I found? If I leave immorality unchecked in my life and I don't let grace help me and get it. And grace right now tonight will cleanse anyone who will confess it. Amen. Grace right now will give repentance and grant anyone who wants to change and wants to be set free, set free. Brother Dennis, one thing I love about him, he believes in the power of Jesus to help and change anybody if they're willing to be changed. Amen? And that's what he does. But listen to this. Not only does the person who is God's workmanship, not only is he experiencing spiritual maturity and he's enlightened, he has wisdom and knowledge of the things of God. The Bible says that God desires for all men to be saved and come to the, safe, the knowledge of the truth truth. So that's what God wants. But not only does he have that, but guys, the one thing else that he has, why is God changing us? Why does God want us to be conformed to the image of his son? Why does he want us to mature? Why does he want us to walk in godliness and walk not in spiritual immorality, but in morality so that we can be godly, so that we can be empowered? Because listen to this, he wants every one of us to be able to serve Him. To be able to serve. He's Lord. We're the servants. He's God. We're His children. And guys, listen. He's, the person who's growing in God is serving God by doing the work of ministry. A person who never ever serves God, he has not grown up into what God wants us to do. It's one thing to go to church, praise God for it. But you know why I go to church? To get my batteries charged so I can go help somebody else. You know what? We ought to not say we go to church. We need to understand that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. He's the head. I'm the body. Not everybody's a foot. Not everybody's a mouth. But everybody's a part. Amen. And every part is important. Every part is dependent on the other part to do his part. So that the body can be healthy. So that the body can accomplish what the head wants it to do. And today we got churches filled with people who aren't spiritually mature. They don't know their gifts. They don't know about the power of God. They don't know about being set free from immorality. They're just stuck in a spot. And friends, God never ever saved us to leave us like he found us. He is at work. He's the great potter. You get on that 
potter's wheel we like that little song we think it sounds funny and it's cute I went down to the potter's house we make it sound like a wonderful experience but I'm going to tell you something sometimes being on the potter's wheel ain't a wonderful experience when he gets to spinning you around on that thing and man he gets to putting his hands on you and he gets to finding those things in you that don't belong there and he gets to pushing on you and he's getting to be you don't need that immorality no more you don't need this anymore you don't need to act like this anymore and he begins to pull this out and all of a sudden we think we're doing good and he says nah it's not the way I want it he starts all over again I promise you that ain't a pleasant spiritual experience but it's necessary it's something we all have to experience and I don't know about y'all I'm glad that a lot of times he sees my imperfections and he don't give up but he makes me wish sometimes he would amen leave me alone a little while Lord but you know what ain't it wonderful to know that you can say tonight that I got saved by his grace and grace has taken me from way over there where I used to be to over here and I might not be where I ought to be but praise Jesus I ain't where I used to be grace is at work in my life and my patient loving father don't give up he just keeps putting them hands on me keeps touching keeps molding me he keeps pulling out what don't need to be there and he keeps putting in there what don't want to and sometimes it ain't what we like because he ain't worried about what we like he's more worried about who we are and friends listen to this he's doing this so that we can serve him and a person who is growing in spiritual maturity who is walking in morality is a person who is doing the work of ministry because he's been spiritually enabled to do it you see I can't preach and do what I do without God's help 30 minutes ago, I was like, Lord, I don't have another sermon in me. Please don't ever let me do that again. Say, I'm going to preach revival and then preach. But right now, I feel pretty good. We might go long, Brother David. I don't know. See, it ain't me. It's just him. He enables us to do what we think we can't do. You know what I've come to find? When you're doing ministry, if you only are willing to do the things you think you can do, you're probably not ever going to be doing the things that God wants you to do. Because you know what God does, Elena? He makes you get out your comfort zone. He makes you do things that not only do you don't think you can't do, but everybody else that knows you best thinks you can't do it. Because guess what? When you begin to do it, who gets the glory? God. Because they say, ain't no way Marvin can do that. Anybody who hangs around Dennis very long, and then you come look around here, you say, ain't no way Dennis done this without a big God. Amen. And that ain't to be little Dennis. That's just to say that, anybody and everybody that accomplishes ministry that changes people's lives that brings glory to God must be enabled by God now I want you to think about this that person who's doing the work of ministry he's been spiritually enabled he's received help from God and because he's received help from God he's now be able to help others can I get an amen and look he's been equipped and he's been made able to do the work of ministry because that's what he says he's doing this in our lives for listen what it says if you look back at verse 14 where we quit look at verse 15 in chapter 4 but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ and listen to what he says from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working and by which every part does its share see every part has to do its share 
Every one of us has to be doing what we're supposed to be doing for the body to accomplish what Christ wants to do in a church, in a body. Listen, if you look up above here, listen what it says. It says that he gave some to be apostles in verse 11. Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. I tell my people all the time, God didn't call me here to do the work of ministry for you. He called me here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. My work is to teach you to do the work. The best preacher don't do it all. He knows how to get others to help do it. And the more people doing their part, the more we accomplish. Listen to what it says. Some for pastors and teachers. Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, that's the building up of the body of Christ. Guys, people who are mature in Christ serve Christ. People who are mature believers, they ain't going, it ain't all about what they get. It's about what they can do for others. And you know what I've come to find? The more I'm like Christ, the more Christ is having his way with my life, the more I'm worried about others and not worried about myself. The more someone needs attention, and we all need attention, but have you ever found them people that are high maintenance? You know what I found? The more need of maintenance, the less output of ministry. The more attention they need, the more effect they have, less effect. Guys, listen, we all have times when we need to be ministered to, but when God reaches and meets our need, and He blesses us and changes us, we ought to get to talk about. And it's one of the things that I feel is missing in the body. At least the ones I've been around and preachers that I hang out with. More than anything. When Jesus saved us and he called us to follow him. When he said, follow me, I will make you something. What did he say he would make us? A fisher of men. Jesus is the ultimate example of a soul winner. And the more you become Christ-like, the more you care about souls. The more you're thinking about other people and it bothers you that they're not saved. To the point you do something, you at least pray. And you're mature enough to where you have knowledge so you can share the truth. Listen, the man who is mature and to the place that is nearing that completeness, that place of spiritual maturity where God's getting you where he wants you to be, where his workmanship is accomplishing what he wants us to be, is going to be a man on mission. Amen? And he's going to be spiritually engaged with soul winning and winning people to Christ and carrying the kingdom of God forward for the glory of God. That's what's on his mind. When we come to church, we are here not just to come here, but we're here to see the church move the kingdom forward. To see God's glory shine. Listen to this. He's spiritually engaged with soul winning. He shares the gospel. He no longer lives for self, but now he lives for God. And if you're sold out to God, he will use you for soul winning. I don't know about y'all, but if you've ever won somebody to Christ, how many of you can never forget the day you got saved? If I could get saved again, I'd do it all the time. Amen? But you can't do it but once. But you know what I found, brothers and sisters? The next best thing to getting saved is being helping somebody else to get saved. I like to hunt. Ain't nothing I like better. I hope I see a big old white belly with a big rack laying on the dirt pretty soon. It's coming. And I'd like to drag him up, throw him in the back of the truck, and ride him around and show him off. Amen? And I, ho I go catching fish. Ain't nothing better than a big old limit of white perch. So big that you hate to clean them. You just want to take pictures of them all day. Amen? 
That's a wonderful thing. But guess what? Nothing compares. I don't know what you're like. Lady, you, it might be the sale. Boy, I found the sale. I had a coupon. I got it half price. And when I got there, they gave me another 10% off. Praise the Lord. Every time you look at it, you just think of how good a shopping experience that was. But I'm going to tell you what. Finding the best deal in Shreveport. Bigger than the biggest buck in this county or parish. Catching the biggest limit of fish anyone ever pulled out of Caddo. Can't compare with catching one sinner for Christ. Amen. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same. You'll say, Lord, that's what it's been all about. That's what I've been missing. I want to tell you something. Trust God. If he can help me to do it, he can help you to do it. Because his ultimate plan is to make us like his son. And his son came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to save sinners, Paul said, and who I am chief. Can I get an amen? And that's what we're to be about. If the church would grow and we become like Jesus, we'd be doing what Jesus did. We'll be doing what he wants to do. You know, tonight, the wonderful truth is, no matter where we are, no matter where we're not, if we're not saved, he'll save us. No matter what you've done, his grace is sufficient to be saved by grace if you only believe by faith and receive that gift. It's not by your works, but by his grace. It's no one here can boast. But guys, listen, it's the same way. I can't boast in where I'm at. I was thinking this week, God, I don't know why you let me get to do what I get to do. Man, I like preaching. I'm not going to lie. It's fun. And I like people. Most people. There are difficult people. God's got to give you difficult people to make you appreciate the good people. Amen? And I've learned the bad people are necessary. And you know what preachers say? Ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for the people. But guess what? Without people, there is no ministry. And guess what? If we don't win people, sooner or later, there's no need to meet. Because, listen to this. I've heard Brother Dennis say it and I say it. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. And our job is to teach. Now, I'm a shepherd and a sheep because I'm one of you. So I got a minister. And I don't just stand in the pulpit to win. I go talk to people. I got a witness. But guys, listen. If we are really growing in Christ, we're going to be serving Him. And we're going to be on mission with Him. And we're going to be sharing the good news. So tonight, as we get ready to close, I just want to one more time take a chance that no matter where you are, if you've not been saved tonight because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, as we begin to close and Brother Nathan, uh, Nathaniel comes up. I've been with a man named Brother Nathan all week leading in worship. And anyway, tonight, God's grace is sufficient to save anybody in this room that needs to be saved. That's hard to believe in itself. It's not by your works. There's nothing you can do but accept it by faith. Receive it and trust what God is offering. And God's saying, I'll give it to you as a gift. My son died for you to make it available. His death on the cross paid the price you couldn't pay. And because of what Jesus did when he hung there and died, when he said it is finished, everything that needed to be done is done. You can be saved tonight by trusting. But I want you to understand something for those of us tonight who are saved. Jesus' death at the end of the story. He rose from the grave. And the power of the resurrection raised him. And then he ascended back to heaven. And the Bible said he sits at the right hand of the Father to intercede for those who he saves. And tonight God is interceding. He knows your story. He knows your struggle. He knows the things that you need help with. And tonight, He will help you where you're at to get you over here where He wants you to be. The truth of the matter, none of us is where we need to be. We're all a work in progress. But ain't it good to know tonight that the great workmanship of God.
is able to create a masterpiece in every life in this room if we'll let him. Tonight I want to talk to those who are saved. Trust him. Don't listen to that lying devil. All he wants to do is tell you what you're not. But the Spirit of God will come tonight and he'll tell you what you can be. You can be a saint. You can be changed. You can walk with Christ and receive his gift of God's character in your life. The Bible says that because of the promise of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature of God in 2 Peter chapter 1. So trust that, believe that. And as we all tonight stand, I'm going to pray. And if you need to be saved tonight, I'm going to ask you to receive Christ by faith. But I'm going to ask you to do something else. If you know you're not where you need to be in God's plan, I'm going to ask you to just say, Lord, I'm placing myself on that potter's wheel. And I'm asking you to put your hands on me. And Lord, the things in my life that aren't the way you want them to be, I, I believe you're going to do that. So as we pray, Father in heaven.